You're invited to take your seat. Take a seat at the Warriors Roundtable. Cybers a three, in and out, rebound, out to Curry, lets it fly, three ball, left corner pocket. Welcome to the table, on the exclusive home of your Golden State Warriors, 95-7 the game. Curry fires away, three ball, above the break. Here's Kevin Dan and Gary St. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We welcome you to Warriors Roundtable on 95.7 The Game. If you want to talk Warriors shooty hoop tonight, hit us up, 888-957-9570. Again, that number, 888-957-9570. Kevin Dan alongside the Saint, Gary St. Jean. The Dubs 23-24 and on the season. Coming into their game tomorrow night against the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll get into that Memphis game later on in the show. But first, Gary, let, let's start with this. So a really good road trip, 3-2 and two on that five-game road trip. Kind of got spoiled Sunday night by that loss to Brooklyn, one where they really should have had. You know, you're coming off a big win in Cleveland to have your first positive road trip of the year, winning more than 50% of your road games on a single trip. First time that had happened all season. You're up 13, five minutes into the fourth quarter. You're up 12 with about five minutes to go, 110 to 98. That unfortunately for Golden State, the bottom just kind of dropped off from there. Kev, usually I'm not at a loss for words, but but this team is mystifying me. Um, you know, you talked about the Cleveland win with all your heavy hitters out. That was a Fabulous win. The guys did a great job, and Kaminga coming back and, you know, tightening the rotation. And really, Cleveland's a heck of a team. I, I would say they're probably four to six in, in the East, and they've yeah, got I'd some wonderful so. pieces. And uh, I'll tell you what, if the game's 48 uh, minutes long, for over 40 minutes against Boston, you, you played a heck of a game. I mean, it, it was a... It was a big-time playoff game atmosphere. And, uh, you know, we get back to this nemesis. It's, it's turnovers. Uh, it's falling, uh, putting the other team on the line. And then for some reason, uh, for a little bit, uh, you just go cold. And uh, so you aren't able to sustain 48 minutes. Now, I can sure, you know, I can make excuses. Uh, Listen, Wiggins, it's going to take some time for him to get back to where he was. Uh, he missed quite a bit of time. And he was playing at a, uh, you know, I think an all-star level. You know, Steph has come back. And is, was he, is he playing as good as he was uh, before he was hurt? Probably not. Um, and, and so in your last game, you see that Clay and, and, and Wiggs don't have great shooting nights. And, you know, if your defense is not really consistent and you're committing falls, giving them free throws, and you are turning the ball over, to me, that's a recipe to lose. And um, I love Bill Parcells, and I, I, think, uh, I think Steve took a page out of his book talking about his team. And Parcells used to say, look at your record. That's who you are. Nope. It, it's no debate. It's black and white. And Steve kind of pointed that out, uh, and rightfully so, because of the inconsistency in the, in the play. 
Yeah, no, you're right about that, Gary. Uh, to your point about the defense faltering late, it was a 110 to 97 Golden State lead with about 6.50 to go. And so Brooklyn scored 23 points over the last seven minutes, basically, which is more than three points per minute, which you, you stretch out three points per minute over the course of a 48-minute game. That's 144 points. Not going to win a lot of games playing defense like that. But also offensively, you touched on some of the issues against Brooklyn late. One of nine from the field, three turnovers over the last five minutes and 30 seconds. And I was reading an article of C.J. Holmes of the San Francisco Chronicle was pointing out kind of the crunch time issues that Golden State has had offensively. Their offensive rating for the season is 112.9. It's about middle of the pack, 17th in the 30-team NBA. In clutch time, it drops to 105.3. Field goal percentage drops from 47% to 41%. Precipitous drops in field goal percentage in clutch time for Steph, Poole, Clay, and Wiggins. Now, you don't expect everyone to shoot their same percentages in clutch time because the the game really does kind of tighten up and you expect better defense. But but those numbers certainly aren't pretty for, for Golden State when it comes down to the final five minutes of a five-point game. You're right on. I mean, and, and those those stats speak for themselves. Uh, that'll get you beat. And what what's really surprising is to have that happen at home after such a big... Uh, Big win in Cleveland. You, you, you would, those are games you think have carryover to the next one. You got to be excited about the way Kaminga played. Uh, but you know, every team's going through this. Every everybody's got some injuries or things going on with their team, and 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 it's just the NBA today. And and you got to live with it, and you got to learn to play with each other. You know, somebody comes back after being out three weeks. He's got rust in the engine, and then I got a you got another guy coming back, and you just uh, you're just saying, "Gosh, we just all got to get on the same page." And if you do it, then you get into the Clay Thompson theory that, "Hey, just get us in the dance, and you get us in the dance, and and we're going to take care of business." Well, you got to be healthy. That's the first thing. So there's luck involved, and you got to be firing on all cylinders. I know we're going to talk about the West later. This, this is crazy, uh, the yeah. parity, what's going on. Uh, Kev, I, I've heard you say that in a week you could be up uh, having home court advantage, and then before you know it, you're not even in the playoffs. <laughs> it's yeah, crazy. I mean, it really it, is. Uh, Gary, had they held on to that late lead against Brooklyn, they would have finished the night as the sixth seed. Instead, right now, they are 10th. So that's just how quickly the snap of a finger that things can change in, in a Western Conference that has been really bunched up around 500. And we'll kind of dive into the standings a little deeper later in the show. But to, to flip things over to the Brooklyn side of things, love them or hate them, and there, there are a lot of reasons Kyrie will give you uh, – one way or another. Kyrie Irving is one heck of a basketball player. I mean, against Golden State, he went to work. 38 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists, just one turnover with 
kind of all the ball handling he does. One of the best ball handlers. I, I think he and Steph probably the two best ball handlers in the NBA. And you know, he just hit monster shots down the stretch. He had 12 in the fourth quarter, including the go-ahead three-point play where he was fouled by Clay Thompson with a buck 21 to go. And obviously he's had some incredible games, Gary, in the Bay Area. You think back to the 2016 NBA Finals, the shots you give the Cleveland Cavaliers their only NBA championship. But, I mean, it was peak Kyrie that Golden State got on Sunday night. You you touched on it. You think back, you know, to the finals and just other performances that uh, that he's played uh, here in the Bay Area. It's, I, I you know, I'm on record. I, I don't care for his antics off the court, his philosophy and everything, and there's too much drama. And, you know, this is a we and us thing. It's not I and me if you're playing. It's a team game. And uh, I, I, I can't take anything away from him. He had a great game, and he's had many great games against the Warriors. But there's too much drama going on for me. But the guy's a big-time player. And to get that win without Kevin Durant uh, is, is really big for the Nets. They, you know, I, did, I thought they'd really slide with him out. But, you know, they're getting some some great play out of, you know, again, teams have guys stepping up. Nick Claxton, you know, he was just kind of a fringe player. He's a very, very important piece for them now at the five spot. And, you know, they're not getting good play out of Simmons. And uh, yet they are able to, to get a road win that uh, they got to look at and say, wow, you know, this is a great win for us. Well, you bring up Nick Claxton, and I, I did want to get there because for all the good that Nick Claxton ha- has done this year, I mean, he shoots like 73% from the field. He leads the NBA in field goal percentage and blocks per game, more than two blocks, more than basically two and three quarters blocks per game. But Golden State went hack a Claxton, and I wanted to ask you about this because, I mean, you take a look at the way that guy shoots free throws, and it is not pretty for all the good he does out there. Shoot free throws is not one of those things on the positive ledger. I, I, I thought it was a great strategy. It really largely worked for Steve Kerr in Golden State because he he missed more than 50% of his free throws. At one point, I think he was 3 of 10 from the line. But gonna, what goes in a, as a coach, as someone who has you know, been on the sideline before making these decisions, how easy or tough of a decision is that to make? Well, it, it boils down to your philosophy of coaching. And, and uh, do you buy into that? Uh, you know, another thing would be, you know, you're the end of the game and it's uh, you're going to fall before a team takes a three. There's a lot of these kinds of situations that you develop a philosophy on. I can't say that there's exactly one way that's right. You know, I for a long time I coached with Nelly and. I don't know, uh, maybe a, the riverboat gambler. He he would not hesitate to do something like that uh, at all. And he would go crazy, for example, if guys didn't follow when they were supposed to. I remember we had a great player, uh, a great college player, Jeff Lamp. And uh, we were playing Washington. And he put him in the game specifically to fall. He didn't fall. He cut him the next day. Uh <laughs> So, you know, he, that, that was Nelly. But, you know, when, when, when I look at this thing, I like what Steve was doing. And, you know, then it boils down if the guy's a really, you know, bad free throw shooter. Can the, can the coach of that shooter 
keep them in the game. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah. you know, you, you're now you're playing the odds. And then, then you got the situation of how do you get rid of this hitch? Well, we didn't have shooting coaches in the old days. So, you know, uh, what you did is the, the guys were tight. So I, I'll give you an example. A guy like Brian Winters, who was an assistant here with us and a head coach for a while. Well, he, he was, I don't know, he, he was Chris Mullen. He was Steph Curry, you know, a fabulous shooter. He, he would grab the guy because you care about your teammates and you hate to them, you know, getting the yips. So you try to work with them and, and get them a, a pattern of how he's going to go. What is, what's he going to go through for a free throw attempt? Uh, it, it might be one of the assistants in the old days. Well, nowadays there might be five shooting coaches. So yeah. Uh, for me, th- that's correctable. Uh, and, and if it's not, you, <laughs> you start shooting one hand and <laughs> take your other hand off the ball, kind of like Nelly used to shoot. Uh, you've seen that, Kev. Uh, yeah. it, w- it was like almost like a shot put. And uh, so, you know, with that guy, he's doing a lot of great things, but for him to be an effective player when they get in the playoffs, he's, he's going to have to uh, really do some work. Well, we saw with Charlotte this year, Mason Plumley only shoots with one hand, and he switched hands. Yeah, he, exactly. Uh, I was watching a guy in the G League, Tyler Cook, who's played a little bit in the NBA. He's shooting free throws yeah, that, with man. one hand. So, yeah, I know it, it definitely is uh, something that, that people do. Well, Warriors fans, don't miss another home game on Warriors ground. Join us live at Chase Center on January 25th. That's tomorrow night as your dubs take on the Memphis Grizzlies presented by Michelob Ultra. Get your tickets now at warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP representatives standing by we'll take a break when we come back we'll take your calls we'll talk a little jonathan kaminga and we'll revisit the three and two road trip especially that win over cleveland all on the other side of this break right here on 95.7 the game if you've just joined us don't worry we saved your seat sit down sit down sit down sit down sit down Warriors Roundtable on 95-7 The Game. Curry behind the back. Wait, stops it, pops on the way. Ridiculous three on the white sideline. Now, here's Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean. Welcome back to the Warriors Roundtable, folks, on 95.7 The Game. The Warriors 2022-23 season is presented by Kaiser Permanente. Kevin Anna, Gary St. Jean with you. Let's uh, talk about a positive from the loss to Brooklyn. And Gary had touched on it a little bit before the break, but Jonathan Kaminga was absolutely outstanding in that game. Had 20 points, 18 of those points basically right at the rim, hit a couple of free throws. And after a couple of early threes that he missed, I thought the first one he took in the quarter was a good three. It was a three that was created. The other one top of the key was kind of standstill, maybe not the best idea for him considering he's in the mid to high 20s from beyond the arc. But after that, he was relentless in attacking the back. Basket and really did a nice job defending Kyrie. Thanks to NBA.com, the their interactive back, box score, you could tell what a player's field goal percentage was when guarded by another player. And Kyrie Irving was two of five when he was guarded by Jonathan Kaminga. Well, you know, Kev, he's 20 years old, and yet he's a smart guy. And why do I say that? Because smart people listen. And I just love the effort that he's putting in defensively. 
the pride he's taken in his defense, his ability to guard on the ball, big versus small, and then also to guard frontline players. And then I look at him, and he was smart enough. He hit, you know, he takes the threes, as you noted. But everything after that was in the paint. And uh, I just I just love the growth of this guy. Now, why do I say he's smart? Because he listens. You know, Steve Kerr has given the keys to these vets in the locker room to set the tone. Uh, what's the culture? Well, this young guy has listened to Andre Iguodala, to Draymond, maybe some others. But those, to me, I would bet are the two main guys. And they've talked to him saying, hey, if you want to play now, this year, if you want to play now, you got to earn the minutes. And he's done it with a capital E for earn. I I just love what he's doing defensively. And he's going to be a rotation player as this uh, things comes down to the last, you know, 30 plus games. And uh, because he's got everybody's respect and, uh, He's 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 got a, a skill. I mean, he's a heck of an athlete. And think about when he he has a lot of games under his belt with a lot of minutes. He's really really going in the right direction. You just got to feel great for the guy. Yeah, I, and I remember the Christmas game this year against the Memphis Grizzlies. ESPN threw up a graphic with Jonathan's stats on the year, and it said kind of with an asterisk underneath all numbers lower than the previous season. And, and it's true. He's not his raw numbers, just pure kind of statistical averages are down from a year ago. Like last year, he was at 9.3 points per game and 3.3 rebounds. This year, 8 points, 3.2 rebounds. And he's even playing a couple of more minutes. His field goal percentage is down. His free throw percentage is down. His three-point field goal percentage is down at this moment. But I don't think if you're watching the games, if you're actually watching the games, I think you have to say that Jonathan Kaminga is a significantly better player than he was a year ago. Oh, brother. I, <laughs> if you don't see that, you're, you're watching another game. I mean, yeah, uh, we didn't see any of this defensively last year. And then you get into all, you know, and they do all the breakdown numbers, as you, you pointed out. But, um, you know, offensively, He's starting to figure out who he is and and what what works for him, and this this system that that Steve Kerr has implemented implemented here is beautiful basketball, but it's not just playing in the playground. You have to understand what's going on. Uh, that that's it looks easy, but it's not because you have to have a high basketball IQ. And you have to play with each other. And you have to understand how to move without the ball. And you have to learn how to make good decisions with the ball. And, you know, it just it just keeps coming. I, You know, you Kev, you brought out this point. He had a game a while ago before he got hurt. Didn't he have nine or ten assists? Yeah, I, I mean, that that's the one stat where he has taken a jump. He's averaging nearly two assists per game this year. Last year, he was under assists per game. So he has become a much better ball mover. The ball doesn't stick in his hands nearly as much as it did last year. And that that's that's part of this 
warrior basketball, and and he's figuring it out. And you, you get excited. I mean, if you're Steph and you're watching this young guy of your clay, you know, you, you, it just fires you up because he's got to be putting the work in every day. And they're saying, hey, this, this is a, you know, this is a big time body. This this guy's gifted, and they're just they're just probably smiling and saying, wow, look at this young guy. So it just it's just terrific. And and you just when you coach. This is what you love to see when your young players show growth. And uh, he certainly, he's at the top of the class. And one more thing on Kaminga that I think we should point out is that he missed a good stretch of games. And he came back against Cleveland and did not miss a beat. And obviously, Andrew Wiggins was out a, was out a little bit longer, missed 15 games, had a different injury, and he he's still trying to work himself back into form. But, Coach, do you just put chalk that up to, A, Jonathan is 20 years old, so his body can recover quicker, and, B, he's just like an incredible, incredible athlete, as good of an athlete as Andrew Wiggins is, and he is a top-notch athlete. We we saw the, the dunk on Luka Doncic last year, if you needed any reminder, in the Western Conference Finals. But Jonathan Kaminga is like a 99.9 percentile athlete in the NBA. And, you know, he's a classic example of the expression young legs. You know, that's yep. what they say about these guys <laughs> that fly around and dunk. And so there was no concern at his age, uh, even though he'd been out, I'm sure they were doing a lot of cardio stuff with him. And he just bounced right in there and was fantastic. And, you know, look, look at Green. Uh, he, he played a tremendous game. So you yes. activate those two and, and they lead you to victory. I mean, uh, you know what? I didn't see that coming. And, you know, so you sit back and you say, Wow. I mean, it was just a great, great win. That that flight home had to be a lot of fun. Yeah, so let's get into that Cleveland Cavaliers victory. And let's start with Jermichael Green because he was the other guy who returned from injury alongside Jonathan Kaminga. And he hit three threes in that game, looked really good, was really active on the glass as well. And in the game, he finished up. This is just 16 minutes of action. He had 13 points and eight rebounds. Uh, it was three of five from downtown. And look, he didn't get off to the best start this year, but before he got COVID and before the staph infection in his leg, and he kind of talked about that after the win over Cleveland on Friday and how kind of scary of a situation that was. It, don't pop zits, folks. Apparently uh, that kind of led to, or uh, popping bumps on, on his leg kind of led to that uh, prolonged absence. But he was showing how good he could be for this team leading up into that COVID absence. And, and then with the with the one game that he did play since he's returned, he's showing you how he could be very effective for this team. And, and hopefully he's able to string together a, a good string of games going forward. Well, and you look at the young guys and, and you're saying to yourself, okay, you know, because you're still trying to define – What's my rotation? What are my bench guys? What are they going to be? And I, I think, you know, we can say DiVincenzo solidified himself, and Kaminga has. And, uh, you know, now if, if Green starts to play the way everybody envisions him to play, you know, now you're, you're feeling a lot. And, and, you know, eventually Andre will play some. And then you've got the, your two guys, <laughs> 
Jerome and Lamb. And yeah. you look at this thing and you, you say, okay, we, we've got some depth here. And uh, it, it's just, I don't know, one guy's out, another guy comes back, and it, it's, an, it's another one. You know, you'd, so you're just looking to get to full strength and, and have it for a while. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I'm feeling good about it because I've always respected him. I think he's a pro's pro. Uh, he's like some of the the bigger guys that we had last year that that uh, have gone. Uh, you know who they are, and as a coach, that's important. So uh, it gives you a good feeling. Yeah, and, and look, this is not to take away from Jamichael Green's kind of athletic capabilities or how good of a player he is, but you can't have Jamichael Green's kind of you know athleticism level of athleticism in the nba be 32 years old and have a nine-year nba career if you aren't a good locker room fit because at some point he's kind of coming on the tail end of his his prime and look some guys that that don't have kind of the what i assume to be the locker room presence that jamichael green has with kind of the same level of talent if, if they've been in the league that long i mean maybe they'd be wearing their kind of welcome out in the nba at, the, at that juncture but that that's not the case with jamichael green again you, you have to do some other kind of intangible things to stick around an nba locker room unless you have like lebron james level talent and, and i i think that's you know, but one reason why Golden State wanted him, you mentioned him being a, a consummate professional. Moving on to Ty Jerome, because in that game against Cleveland, he was fantastic. I mean, he started with, with Steph Curry sitting, of course, no Draymond Green, no Andrew Wiggins, no Clay Thompson. And Ty Jerome, all he did was go 9 of 13, 3 of 4 from downtown, had 22 points, 8 assists, with 1 turnover, which is the w- main reason why he plays in the first place, Steve Kerr say, he gets us organized. Well, he didn't just get Golden State organized on Friday. I mean, he was super efficient in... Quite honestly, Gary, he hit the bailout three of the game. If he doesn't make that three to make it 117 to 110, kind of that shot clock prayer, uh, who knows how the rest of that game plays out? Again, we're talking late game and and the run that Cleveland uh, made. But, you know, I I can feel a little giddy up in your voice when you start talking about (laughs) him and Lamb. And and rightfully so. They've earned this jubilation. I... That guy there, I have to admit to you, I, I didn't know a lot about him. And he's he's grown on me. Uh, you know, when you're coaching, you want to trust your players. And you can trust, you know, you, you went and talked at length about Green and, and what a great guy he is. And know, he knows who he is and what his impact is. And players believe in him. <clears throat> right now, I think there's a lot of faith in, in Jerome. I really do. You know, there's some guys that don't put themselves in harm's way. He just makes good basketball decisions. He's not afraid of the moment. Uh, he'll take a big shot, and, and he made it the other day. And I mean, th- this, is a, this is a great story, what, what he and Lamb are doing. I, I, I don't know. This, this is special. I don't know who the heck else in the league has this kind of thing going on. Yeah, I mean, the the production that Golden State is getting out of its two-way roster spots is, I mean, pretty unparalleled. On the flip side of it, 
Santa Cruz is the only team in the G League this year that does not have a single game played from either of its two-way roster spots. So uh, th- this is kind of uncharted territory for the Santa Cruz Warriors, and so that that's kind of not helped the C-Dubs, but the C-Dubs are there to benefit the big dubs. And, and so with that said, let's get into this, Gary. Ty Jerome's at 29 games. Anthony Lamb is at 38. They can play 50 before their two-way status is uh, kind of used up. Now, you there's an open roster spot. You could convert one of those guys. If you want to convert both, you have to trim the wa- roster elsewhere, either via, via trade or, or waiving someone. But how, how do you handle that situation as a front office and coaching staff? Because both these guys have been very integral parts of the rotation this year. Yeah, I'm sure that Bob Myers, Mike Dunleavy, and and all their crew, um, you know, have sat down and and kind of looked at this thing and said, okay, we do have that one roster spot now. Understand, you know, what the luxury tax is and what it will cost to keep a guy, uh, you know, on on the contract. And then on the other side of the coin, um, how healthy are we? And if we're really healthy, we might have to make a tough choice. And uh, maybe we only keep one of them. It, it, it's going to be, you know what, to their credit, they've made it a very, very difficult situation for the Warriors. And uh, it, it's a good problem. These, these two guys, you know, they deserve to be on a team. And you can say, to, you know, can say that they've earned minutes. I mean, it, there's, there's no doubt about it. And they've played... They've played within themselves. They haven't tried to do things that they're not capable of doing. And that's the thing I like about them. Uh, They're both, they just have a good basketball IQ, and they go to their strengths, and they stay the heck away from their weaknesses. And they're both shooting 50% plus from the field and 42% from downtown. That doesn't hurt either. Well, with that win over Cleveland, it made Golden State three and two on that five game road trip. It's kind of funny how sports works sometimes. Like Golden State at one point was seventeen and two at home. Looked like they had ride the ship. They have three games against teams that were really scuffling in Detroit, Orlando, and Phoenix to finish out a homestand. Of course, they lose all three of those games. Then you're three and sixteen on the road going into a five game road trip. You've won three road games all season. Then you win three on this five game road trip. And I know that there are fans who are upset about the losses to Chicago, one you feel like you should have had, and Boston, especially since you're up eight in the fourth quarter, but eight points really not much in the NBA these days. But anytime you can take three of five on the road, it's a major success. And I think we're all kind of spoiled by previous Warriors teams over the last decade or so that were just the ultimate road Warriors, and this has just kind of become the expectation. But look, Gary, you take three or five on the road, you take it, you write home about it, and you put a plaque on the wall. Maybe you don't put a plaque on the wall, but you're excited about the road trip. No, it's, it's true, and you and I have chatted about this in the past. Uh if you can go 500 on the road and you're good at home, uh, you you can really have a heck of a season. I, I I always said this: if you can win 30 out of out of 41 at home, and win you know go 50-50 on um, on the road, then you you're going to win 50 games. And if you win 50 games in the West, you, you're going to have a 
you're going to have a nice uh, home court advantage. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just how tight this all is. So I know you, you get upset because they didn't play as well as you'd want them to play, say, in Chicago. But uh, Boston, you know, you've you got to look at it. That, that was a, a big-time game. And, you know, you, you're disappointed in, in the last four minutes and, and in the overtime. But uh, you can argue that Boston's as good as anybody else in the entire league. And, of course, you're dealing with the team you played in the championship last year. So don't you think they're fired up? I mean, I, I give them a lot of credit. They were behind, and, and they were swimming upstream that whole game. But they hung in there, and uh, they, they've they got a heck of a team. They're, they're, they're special, those two young guys and a lot of other guys on, uh, that are doing a good job there. So... I, I I can I can sit back and, and rationalize and be really happy with three and two. Yeah, me too. Uh, I actually got the Celtics on in the background right now. They're on TNT, two-point game four minutes ago against the Miami Heat. Dub Nation, Kia's drive-in score promotion is putting Warriors fans in the driver's seat. Purchase or lease any Kia vehicle and get two tickets to a Warriors home game. The offer ends January 27th. That is Friday. Visit warriors.com slash Kia for participating dealers. We'll take a break. Come on back. Talk about the upcoming uh, Games on this three-game homestand, Memphis and Toronto on the ledger. We'll break it down on the other side of this break here on 95.7 The Game. Kevin Dana and Gary St. Jean are holding court. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. At the Warriors Roundtable. You can't handle the truth. Curry, screen by Draymond Curry, gets free for three. On 95.7 The Game. Dub Nation, you don't want to miss this matchup. Join us live on Warriors Ground on January 27th as the Warriors host the Toronto Raptors, presented by NBC Sports. Get your tickets now at Warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP. Representatives standing by. You got about seven, eight minutes or so to call up Warriors Roundtable here, 888-957-9570. Then we hand it off to Charlie Walter, a.k.a. Chuck and Alan Stiles, a.k.a. A. Sizzle, from 7 to 10 p.m. here on 95.7 The Game. Let's talk about this this upcoming homestand for Golden State. I say upcoming homestand. They, they've played one game of the three-game homestand. They got Memphis coming to town on Wednesday, and Look, you, you know that Memphis is going to come into this game really revved up because they always are when they face the Golden State Warriors. But additionally so because they got rocked last night by the Sacramento Kings. They lost 133-100. to 100. The Kings hit their first 10 threes in that game. They were like 12-13 of 13 from three in the first quarter and just uh, blew them away in the fourth. Look, they've lost three straight. They're going to be an angry and lively bunch. And, Coach, you know that on the other end, Golden State's going to be very fired up to play the Grizzlies as well. Yeah, that's grown into a little bit of a rivalry, and, and that happens with, with you keep playing somebody in the playoffs. That that just takes place. And, boy, you hit on it. I, I'm pulling for the Kings because of Mike Brown and Doug Christie and the guys I know up there. Great job. That place is jumping up there. Now, you got to tell me, uh, Morant and Adams don't play. 
Uh, were they resting him for for tomorrow night's game? I don't know, <laughs> but uh, that that's big because he's the best screen setter in the NBA and a terrific rebounder. Rebounder, and I don't have to say anything about Morant. I mean, he's one of the great young players in the league. So. Um, I love Bain. I think he's a heck of a player. I, I want Brooks to keep on shooting, uh, and he keeps on fouling, and the keeps on complaining, and the referees read that stuff, so I think that's good for us. Um, that That's going to be a heck of a game. Speaking of Dylan Brooks, did you see the little uh, kerfuffle he, he got into with Shannon Sharp, the, the L.A. Lakers game on, on Friday? Yeah, you know, and uh, I think Morant's dad was there. And, uh, yeah. you know, play the game. Uh, if you go to L.A. and you don't think there's going to be some theatrics, then you're kind of ignorant because that's just the way it is down there. It's like going to the movies. And, uh, God, I, I can remember there being a young guy there. And, of course, I was all fired up sitting next to Jack Nicholson. And, you know, you're looking across and there's Barbara Streisand and, uh, Diane Cannon and all, all these uh, fantastic actresses and actors. Um, Walter Matthau, who I, I absolutely loved. He, he was known to gamble a little bit. Okay. <laughs> and um, anyway, uh, you know what? Let your play on the court do the talking. You don't need to be doing that stuff. Uh, I, I hear I, I hear you say now after that game it's the Toronto Raptors on Friday and Toronto's they've hit a, a bit of a rough patch they they've kind of they they've fallen out of the top 10 in the Eastern Conference there there's all the Fred Van Vliet trade rumors this is a team that is scuffling and was also responsible for one of the uh, I think is the second road win of the season for for second or third road win of the season for Golden State. Maybe the third part of that six game road trip out east. So uh, they might be catching Toronto at the right time. But again, we've seen Golden State's taken on some scuffling teams recently at home, and it hasn't turned out so well. Don't play down to the opponent's level. Play at your game. And uh, when I look at them, I really like Nick Nurse as a coach. Uh, Me too. I think he, uh, he'll play around with the game. He's not afraid to, to zone. Uh, he's not afraid to box in one, whatever. Put a little pressure on. And, uh, you know, and I love Siakam. He's a great player. They're, prob- Kev, they're probably at the forefront of rumors about trades. A lot of people think they're really contemplating ripping that thing up. And Van, Van Fleet's played better the last uh, 10 days. He had been really struggling. He bet on himself. He turned down a pretty darn good contract. And so, yeah. uh, you know, when you're a guy like that, you're feeling some heat. Um, so probably they're not playing as well as they hoped. But uh, they do have some good players, you know, Ananube. And so I, I look at them, and, and you got to respect them. Yeah, no, you absolutely have to respect the Raptors. They're well-coached, Steve. They got guys who play hard. Uh, and we'll see if they decide to firmly place themselves in the Victor Wembenyama sweepstakes. I, if Toronto gets Victor Wembenyama, that would uh, that would be pretty incredible. But, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out later. Just kind of from a, a large kind of picture thing, you take a look at kind of the, the math of the season they're 23 and 24 they've spent 24 of their 47 games this year after the game is done they've spent 24 of the 47 games 
under 500. So they spent more games with a losing record than a winning record. They just haven't been able to break away from the 500 mark. But at some point, they, they're going to need to start stacking wins a bit. And the good thing is that there is really no separation in the Western Conference. Look, they're 23-24, and 24, tied for 10th with Oklahoma City. They're a game and a half back of 5th. The Dallas Mavericks at 25 and 23. It literally takes a week and a half of sustained success to really kind of rocket up the standings. The new goal for me to get the sixth seed, I'm going to say, Gary, is 45 and 37. If you get to 45 and 37 with the way the conference has played out, I think you avoid the play in this year. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, you're watching Boston. I, I'm watching Dallas. They're losing again. Uh, my son Greg's not listening, so I can share this. I think they're a 500 team. They're just not playing real well. Uh, you know, Luca's a great, great player, but the rest of these guys, uh, I would take you in a, in a game of horse over some of them. Um, and then, you know, you look around this thing. I, I am shocked uh, at, at Oklahoma City. What a fantastic job yeah. they've done. And Utah's hung in there. I thought Minnesota would start to slide. Uh, so this thing is... You know, the Clippers look like they're getting healthy. They're playing better. Uh, Phoenix, they're, they're so so. You're one of these teams that are up on the top, and you're you're Memphis. I think New Orleans will wind up being up there, and obviously Denver, and Sacramento's up there. <clears throat> are you going to want to play the Warriors or Phoenix or one of these veteran teams in uh, after the the play-in thing? So this is going to be a wild finish. I. I just, I, I'm totally bewildered by this. this. This is amazing. You know, Utah's hanging around. I thought Portland would play better. So this thing is is really, take care of your own business. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I just just care so much about these Warrior guys. I, I think they're going to get it going. I, I really do. I, it's, I keep saying it, but I, I think it's going to happen. Well, let's take a look at the upcoming broadcast presented by Ticketmaster before we send this one off. Tomorrow, it's the Memphis Grizzlies, 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time, presented by Michelob Ultra. The homestand concludes Friday against the Toronto Raptors, 6.30 on the air, 7 p.m. tip time, presented by NBC Sports. Then uh, Tim Roy and Jim Barnett will hit the road beginning Monday in Oklahoma City. 4.30 on the air, 5 p.m. tip time, Monday, January 30th. Then Wednesday, February 1st at Minnesota, 4.30 on the air, 5 p.m. tip time, followed by the back end of the back-to-back at Denver, 6 p.m. tip time, 5.30 on the air. That will do it for us. That is a tough road trip for sure coming up after these two home games. Big thank you to, to Cam Williams along with Sterling Bennett, R.C. Davis, Marika Kleto for all making this show possible. For Gary, I'm Kevin. We say so long here on 95.7 of the game. Keep it locked to 95.7 for Alan Stiles and Charlie Walter. home of your Golden State Warriors. That's playful and nailed it. 95-7, the game. For tickets, call 888-GSW-HOOP.